Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 90. Today in our stories, we'll be meeting different characters, some who are closed-minded, called foolish, some open-minded, described as noble, and others who are struggling with whether to be closed or open-minded and what that looks like. And I think this gives us all an opportunity to think carefully about our own hearts and minds. Are we closed or open-minded people? And how do we find the wisdom, a wisdom that only really truly comes from God, so that we can be open-minded in the right ways and at the right times? So let's see how these stories can teach us about being closed or open-minded. 1 Samuel 25. Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned him. They buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David left and went down to the wilderness of Paran. There was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel. This man was very wealthy. He owned 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. At that time, he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man's name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was both wise and beautiful, but the man was harsh, and his deeds were evil. He was a Calebite. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten servants, saying to them, Go up to Carmel to see Nabal and give him greetings in my name. Then you will say to my brother, Peace to you and your house, peace to all that is yours. Now I hear that they are shearing sheep for you. When your shepherds were with us, we neither insulted them nor harmed them the whole time they were in Carmel. Ask your own servants, they can tell you. May my servants find favor in your sight, for we have come at the time of a holiday. Please provide us, your servants and your son David, with whatever you can spare. So David's servants went and spoke all these words to Nabal in David's name. Then they paused. But Nabal responded to David's servants, saying, Who is David, and who is this son of Jesse? This is a time when many servants are breaking away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shears and give uh, give them to these men? I don't even know where they come from. So David's servants went on their way. When they returned, they came and told David all these things. Then David instructed his men, Each of you strap on your sword. So each one strapped on his sword, and David also strapped on his sword. About 400 men followed David, while 200 stayed behind with the equipment. But one of the servants told Nabal's wife Abigail, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our Lord, but he screamed at them. These men were very good to us. They did not insult us, nor did we sustain any loss during the entire time we were together in the field. Both night and day they were a protective wall for us the entire time we were there with them, while we were tending our flocks. Now beware of this and see what you can do, for disaster has been planned for our Lord and his entire household. He is such a wicked person that no one tells him anything. So Abigail quickly took 200 loaves of bread, two containers of wine, five prepared sheep, five seahs of roasted grain, a hundred bunches of raisins, and 200 lumps of pressed figs. She loaded them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead of me, I will come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Riding on her donkey, she went down under the cover of the mountain. David and his men were coming down to meet her, and she encountered them. Now David had been thinking 
In vain I guarded everything that belonged to this man in the wilderness. I didn't take anything from him, but he has repaid my good with evil. God will surely uh, severely punish David if I leave alive until morning even one male from all those who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she she got down quickly from her donkey, threw herself down before David and bowed to the ground. Falling at his feet, she said, My Lord, I accept all the guilt, but please let your female servant speak to you. Please listen to the words of your servant. My Lord should not pay attention to this wicked man, Nabal. He simply lives up to his name. His name means fool, and he is indeed foolish. But I, your servant, did not see the servants my Lord sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, and as surely as you live, it is the Lord who has kept you from shedding blood and taking matters into your own hands. Now may your enemies and those who seek to harm you be like Nabal. Now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the servants who follow my Lord. Please forgive the sin of your servant, for the Lord will certainly establish a lasting dynasty for my Lord, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. May no evil be found in you all your days. When someone sets out to chase you and to take your life, the life of my Lord will be wrapped securely in the bag of the living by the Lord your God. But he will sling away the lives of the enemies from your sling's pocket. The Lord will do for my Lord everything that he promised you and will make you a leader over Israel. Your conscience will not be overwhelmed with guilt for having poured out innocent blood and for having taken matters into your own hands. When the Lord has granted my Lord success, please remember your servant. Then David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you this day to meet me. Praise be your good judgment. May you yourself be rewarded for having prevented me this day from shedding blood and taking matters into my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has prevented me from harming you, if you had not come to me so quickly, by morning's light, not even one male belonging to Nabal would would have remained alive. Then David took from her hand what she had brought him. He said to her, Go back to your home in peace. Be assured that I have listened to you and responded favorably. When Abigail went back to Nabal, he was holding a banquet in his house like that of a king. Nabal was having a good time and was very intoxicated. She told him absolutely nothing until morning's light. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him about these matters. He had a stroke and was paralyzed. After about ten days, the Lord struck Nabal down and he died. When David heard that Nabal had died, he said, Praise be the Lord who has vindicated me and avenged the insult that I suffered from Nabal. The Lord has kept his servant from doing evil and has repaid Nabal for his evil deeds. Then David sent word to Abigail and asked her to become his wife. So the servants of David went to Abigail at Carmel and said to her, David has sent us to bring you back to be his wife. She arose, bowed her face toward the ground and said, Your female servant, like a lowly servant, will wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. Then Abigail quickly went and mounted her donkey with five of her female servants accompanying her. She followed David's messengers and became his wife. David had also married Ahinoam from Jezreel. The two of them became his wives. Now Saul had given his daughter Michael, David's wife, to Paltiel, son of Laish, who was from Galim. And here, as you notice in this story, we meet Nabal, the fool. That's what his name literally means. But Abigail, being wise, a wonderful woman of wisdom, very open-minded, while Nabal, her husband, was closed-minded. And she convinces David, who's also an open-minded person, to change his ways and to think carefully about what he would do so that he wouldn't do anything evil or wrong. 
And we go back to First Chronicles 7 and continue to hear the lineage and the genealogy of the people of Israel. First Chronicles 7. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron, four in all. The sons of Tola, Azi, Raphiah, Jeriel, Jamai, Jibsam, and Samuel. They were the leaders of their families. In the time of David, there were 22,600 warriors listed in Tola's genealogical records. The son of Azi, Azariah, the sons of Azariah, Michael, Obadiah, Joel, and Ishai, all five were leaders. According to the genealogical records of their families, they had 36,000 warriors available for battle, for they had numerous wives and sons. Altogether, the genealogical records of the clans of Issachar listed 87,000 warriors. The sons of Benjamin, Bela, Beker, and Jadeal, three in all. The sons of Bilal, Esbon, Azi, Aziel, Jermoth, and Eri, five of them were leaders of their families. There were 22,034 warriors listed in their genealogical records. The sons of Beker, Zemariah, Joash, Eliezer, Elionai, Omri, Jeremoth, Abijah, Anathoth, and Alameth. All these were the sons of Beker. They were 20,200 family leaders and warriors listed in their genealogical records. The sons of Jediah, Bilhan. The sons of Bilhan, Jewish, Jeush, Benjamin, Ehud, Canaan, Zethon, Tarshish, and Ashkahar. These were the sons of Jediel. They were 17,200 family leaders and warriors who were capable of marching out to battle. The Shuphites and Hophites were descendants of Ir, and Hushites were descendants of Ahir. The sons of Naphtali, Jaziel, Guni, Jezer, and Shalom, the sons of Bilhah. These are the sons of Manasseh. Azrael, who was born to Manasseh's Aramean concubine, she also gave birth to Machir, the father of Gilead. Now, Machir married a wife from the Hufites and Shufites. His sister's name was Makah. Salophihad had Manasseh's second, was Manasseh's second son. He had only daughters. Makah, Machir's wife, gave birth to a son whom she named Perish. His brother was Sherish, and his sons were Ulam and Rechim. The sons of Ulam, Badan. The sons of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh. His sister, Hamakolech gave birth to Ishdod, Abiezer, and Mala. The sons of Shemadai were Ahain, Shechem, Likim, and Aniam. The descendants of Ephraim, Shuthalah, his son Barad, his son Tahath, his son Eliada, and his son Tahath, his son Zabad, and his son Shulathath, Ezer, and Eliad were killed by the men of Gath, who were natives of the land, when they went down to steal their cattle. Their father Ephraim mourned for them many days, and his brothers came to console him. He slept with his wife. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. Ephraim named him Bariah because tragedy had come to his family. His daughter was Shira, who built the lower and upper Beth Horon, as well as Azan Shira. His son Rephath and his son Reshpheth, his son Teleth, his son Tahan, his son Laban, his son Amaidub, his son Elishama, his son Nun, and his son Joshua. Their property and settlements included Bethel and its surrounding towns, Naran to the east, Gezer on its surrounding towns to the west, and Shechem and its surrounding towns as far as Ai and its surrounding towns. On the border of Manasseh's territory were Bethshin and its surrounding towns, Tanak and its surrounding towns, Megiddo and its surrounding towns, and Dor and its surrounding towns. The descendants of Joseph, Israel's son, lived here. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Bariah, Sarah was their sister. 
the sons of Beriah, Heber and Malkiel, who was the father of Bizrath. Heber was the father of Japhlet, Shomer, Hothat, and Shua, their sister. The sons of Japhlet, Pashsak, Bilham, and Asphat. These were Japhlet's sons. The sons of his brother Shemer, Rohog, Hugam, and Aram. The sons of his brother Helam, Zophath, Imna, Shelesh, and Amal. The sons of Zophath, Zhuol, Harfanir, Shual, Buri, Imra, Bezer, Hod, Shama, Zilsha, Ithran, and Bira. The sons of Jether, Jephunin, Pisva, and Ara. The sons of Ula, Ara, Haniel, and Riza. All these were the descendants of Asher. They were the leaders of their families, the most capable men who were warriors and served as head chiefs. There were 26,000 warriors listed in their genealogical records as capable of doing battle. And now we conclude uh, going to Acts chapter 17, in which we again meet a mixture of people who seem to show an open-mindedness or a closed-mindedness to what they were hearing of what Paul and Silas were sharing about the good news of Jesus. Acts chapter 17. After they, it's Paul and Silas, traveled through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Paul went to the Jews in the synagogue, as he customarily did, and on three Sabbath days he addressed them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer to rise from the dead, saying, This is Jesus, this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large group of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But the Jews became jealous and gathered together some worthless men from the rabble in the marketplace. They formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. They attacked Jason's house, trying to find Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, screaming, These people who have stirred up trouble throughout the whole world have come here too, and Jason has welcomed them as guests. They are all acting against Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king named Jesus. They caused confusion among all the crowd and the city officials who heard these things. After the city officials had received bail from Jason and the others, they released them. The brothers sent Paul and Silas off to Berea at once during the night. When they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. These Jews were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they eagerly received the message, examining the scriptures carefully every day to see if these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with quite a few prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica heard that Paul had also proclaimed the word of God in Berea, they came there too, inciting and disturbing the crowds. Then the brothers sent Paul away at once to the coast, but Silas and Timothy remained in Berea. Those who accompanied Paul escorted him as far as Athens, and after receiving an order from Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was greatly upset because he saw the city was full of idols. So he was addressing the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles in the synagogue and in the marketplace every day those who happened to be there. Also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him, and some were asking, What does this foolish babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. They said this because he was proclaiming the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took Paul and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some surprising things to our ears, so we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there used to spend their time in nothing else than telling or listening to something new. So Paul stood before the Areopagus and said, 
Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects, for as I went around and observed closely your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship without knowing it, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as if he needed anything, because he himself gives life and breath and everything to everyone. From one man he made every nation of the human race to inhabit the entire earth, determining their set times and the fixed limits of the places where they should live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope about around for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move about and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. So since we are God's offspring, we should not think that deity that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human skill or imagination. Therefore, although God has overlooked such times of ignorance, he now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has set a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he designated, having provided proof to everyone by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, some began to scoff, but others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul left the Areopagus. But some people joined him and believed. Among them were Dionysius, who was a member of the Areopagus, a woman named Amaris, and others with them. And again, it's amazing. You see the different responses. Some people very open-minded, some people very closed-minded. And I thought it was very interesting in the, in the town of Berea that they said that they examined the scriptures to see what they what they were hearing, whether it matched what they had read and what they'd seen in the scriptures. And I think that's a great way to see whether we're closed-minded or open-minded is to read the Bible, to read the scriptures, and to see with whether what we're hearing and what we're, what we're hearing from God is in line with what, we, with what we hear from other people. And in doing so, we can determine whether we are actually rightly open or closed-minded to what we hear. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.